0: Welcome to the Rally Point Podcast. Where we equip you to support others. I'm Bobby Jackson. And I'm Noah Throw. And today we're gonna to be talking about breaking out of destructive narratives that we create in relationships. Bobby and I will be talking with our guest
1: about how we all create roles like hero, victim, or villain, and we assign them to people in our life story and how we can find a way to break that pattern and
0: move forward in a healthy way. Yeah, so the last time we had Courtney on the podcast, uh, she she made mention of this dynamic the, the victim hero villain dynamic and um, we actually thought you know that's a really compelling uh, storyline. Um, and we've seen it lots and lots of times in relationships. It's something that uh, that I talk about in in the therapy setting. And we thought, you know that would actually be a really good theme to spend a whole podcast talking about. Yeah, it's really interesting because we don't
1: always put these labels on things, but I think it's kind of a a natural rhythm that we get into sometimes. You'll hear it in conversations when you're talking to people be like, well, I didn't do anything wrong. This person, like this person did this, this person did this, this person did this. And even though we're not saying they're the villain, I'm the hero, that's essentially the mindset we're getting in. And so I think naming it is a huge thing. And then when we name it, we're able to kind of move out of it because we can intentionally focus on it. And I'm just excited to hear what Courtney yeah. has to say about that.
0: Yeah, it's like um, there there is a storyline that we live in that, that God has put us on. It's this uh, Courtney talks about it as like the big God story of, of moving from creation, fall, redemption, and, and restoration. And this, this other storyline, the victim, hero, villain kind of interrupts. That that um, cosmic story that God has given us, like a like a sort of storyline booby trap, and it, it ends up trapping us in this in this other story, and 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 it it can really um, derail relationships. It can really uh, derail faith. Um, so it it can it can really be a, a nasty sort of trap. Yeah. Well, we've mentioned her a couple of times already, but we're excited to welcome Courtney Wilson
1: back to the show. She's the children's pastor at Christ Community Church. She's been in children's ministry for over 20 years, and she's been published in a number of publications and Homefront Magazine, and she's a contributor to the David C. Cook True Curriculum. So, Courtney, welcome back to the
0: show.
2: (laughs) Hey, guys. I'm glad to be back. It's always fun to sit and talk with you guys.
0: Yeah. So, Courtney, um, a a couple of months ago, you were on the podcast and, and discussing ways we could help parents connect with their kids when they're hurting. And you brought up this dynamic of the victim, hero, and villain. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about what those terms mean?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, um, I think we tend to all see our lives as a story. Our minds organize our memories and our thoughts in stories, and so we tend to write stories every day about the things that we do and the things that we say. I think that, uh, like you said, the big God story is the ultimate storyline. But sometimes we go into this choose your own adventure thing where we take this hero or this victim or this villain mentality about ourselves or about others. Um, I kind of liken it to a Mad Lib. We fill in the blank that uh that with the words that we want to be there. So when we're talking about heroing, heroing can look really good. It can look like I'm I'm heroing someone, I'm saving someone, um I'm cheering someone on, whatever that might look like, but when we put ourselves in that hero position, then we displace God and who God is in the story. And when we put someone else in the hero position, sometimes we want someone else to save us. And we we put someone else in that hero position. And then we've, again, displaced who God is. Jesus is the hero. God is the hero of the story, and we displace it. Sometimes we take uh, a victim mentality. Uh, we take on a mentality that's not Ours. We are more than conquerors through Christ, and we assign ourselves that victim mentality. I was hurt, poor me. Or we give it to someone else, and that is not their place. We name someone else a victim, and it, it causes hurt and, and, and discouragement and confusion and something. And sometimes we take on a villain mentality, and I'm going to get you. I'm going to take revenge, which is completely <laughs> anti what it says in Scripture— and sometimes we assign that mentality to someone else, and again we displace who they are in God's story. When really we are all chosen and adopted children of the Most High King, and so often we take those those three roles and we assign them to other people, or we take them on ourselves. It's kind of a an, it's an ego issue, really, right? It's it's an issue with ego if you if you have heard that it, some people say it stands for edging god out that's how we do that we're edging god out of the story
0: so what is uh what do those roles look like in the context of a of a of a relationship or a conversation like can you can you give us an example in in your ministry or in your family where you've seen something like that happen where that storyline kind of takes over the narrative
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I I see it in in my own life, uh where I will as a ministry professional, I'll write stories about people out of my own insecurities all day long, right? I will I will hero someone. I tend to fall put myself in a hero role. I'm cheering someone on. That's good, right? But is am I doing it for the right purpose, for the right reason? Um, Am I doing it to gain something for myself or am I doing it to really um, elevate who they are as a chosen and adopted child of the Most High King? Um, I see kids do it and students do it all the time. Um, My daughter is not a high drama kid. She's she's the youngest with three older brothers, so she doesn't know how to do girl drama. And uh, she came home one day from school having written a story that was had heroes and victims and villains all over it. It rivaled, you know, any cartoon or, you know, Disney show. She had she had labeled everyone that day. And we had to come home and untangle all of those labels. What did you do and where did you put someone else in a villain spot or where did you take on a victim role? They hurt me um where it's not yours to own. And and so yeah, I think, I think adults do it. I think kids do it. I think parents do it. I think, you know, professionals do it. So.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you think that, that people are more likely, like you said, you tend to, to hero yourself. Um, do you think that people assume one of these roles, like primarily like, like they, they lean towards, um, you know i'm i'm the hero or i'm the victim or i'm the villain and and like that kind of becomes a, an ongoing like home base storyline so to speak
2: oh yeah i think so i think that you know i have a i have a list of different roles that people tend to take on that uh i've shown leaders before and said you know circle the ones that you tend to take on and people will will focus in one Area. They'll focus into like, I mostly take on hero roles. I mostly take on victim roles. I mostly take on villain roles, um, which takes a lot of courage to admit, I think, (laughs) to say that. Um, But yeah, I do. I think people tend to fall more in one than the other. And it probably has a lot to do with their upbringing and their past experiences and um, different roles they've played in their lifetime.
0: Yeah yeah I think I, I agree with you as a ministry leader, I tend to take on that hero role a lot um in my own mind and I, I actually find it when I look at the other person closely, it, it can be a crushing role for them like it makes them feel so guilty and it kind of forces them into the oh, I guess I'm a victim if you have to be my hero kind of thing um or something like it and and then I, I have a lot of I have a lot of clients, especially parent clients who will, become the victim in a session with their kid being the villain, which is really fascinating um, where they'll, they'll sit there and blame a kid for this or for that, or for this or for that. And they'll be like, they're, you know, they're always attacking me. I can't say anything without them doing this or without them. And some part of me wants to go, you, you know, you're the parent. You need to emerge from that role and assume the role of parent and not victim. And it doesn't make you then the hero. It doesn't make you then the villain. It just makes you the parent. And, and so st- you got to stand up to your kid. And, and assume your identity. Um, so that's really, really tricky. There was one other idea that you had mentioned um, in the last podcast that I want to pull out and, and then we can kind of keep moving on uh, where you mentioned switching roles. So in this concept of victim, hero, villain, um, it's not like a personality test that you're always the villain, right? Or you're always the victim, but we can kind of switch roles. Can you explain what, what that might look like?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think I think within one storyline, you might switch roles um, and it, sometimes without realizing, you know, what you've done and that you have switched roles. I think you gave a good example there with a parent where a parent, you know, can take on the victim, but they also can take on a villain very quickly, too. You can go from, you know, because I'm the victim, the way I'm going to lash out in that then is then I get a little villainous. I, I I turn the table a little bit and it and it becomes a little bit of a different story. Um I think that it depends on, you know, the different relationships that you have, where you might, like you said, as a as a ministry leader, I I can hero really, really well. I pretty pretty fall into yeah, that really role often. and put myself, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I do know <laughs> if it's well, that, it's definitely That often. role, yeah, yeah. I, you know, or the one I, I have to apologize for is sometimes I say, hey, I'm trying to be your savior. Like mm. I'm trying Ooh. to save you from something. Yeah. And Jesus is the only savior. Why would I ever do that? That feels yucky. Like it almost feels villainous to say that, right? Like I think I'm being a hero, but when I say it that way, ew, that's gross. Like that feels villainous. So I do think that people can tend to switch roles and the, whatever angle you're at, those roles look a little bit different. Whoever's telling the story, the the primary narrative, the story looks a little bit different um, based on where you're coming at it from.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I'm interested because I really like the, the point that you made that you know, we are a part of God's big story, and then this kind of takes us off the path. You know, this isn't the actual story we're supposed to be telling. So I'm curious to hear, is there a commonality between when this dynamic sort of begins to develop in our relationship and starts to take us off the path? Is there, you know, just a certain pattern that we happen to fall into that starts taking us off the path? Or is it just something that seems to be a result of, you know, just the sometimes the sinfulness of our hearts?
2: Yeah, I think it's just the sinfulness of our hearts. I really think it's where our focus is in our own in our own security in Christ, um, where we can say, again, I am the chosen and adopted child of the most high king. What does that look like to just continually run that script through my head? Um, and you know, how how I think we get pulled off that path sometimes just by our own life and humanity and who we are and what we do and what we say and who we interact with. And um yeah, I, I hope that kind of answers that question or that concern.
1: Absolutely. And one thing I really appreciate is the fact that you say like, we all tell stories about our life and that's a part of this, but we ultimately want to be a part of, you know, God's big story and having Christ central. And so when we're talking about this idea, it's not that we're trying to take him out of our place and become the main character. It's that, you know, we want him to be the focus. And this is actually a, you know, deterrent off the path from that. And so it's not necessarily, um, you know, the, the right way to go. So I'm curious to know, um, you've described these roles really well. And you described talking to leaders about identifying which role they're in. So I'm curious to know, what are some of the ways that we can determine what role we're playing right now. If we're looking at ourselves, what are like maybe some factors or some common behaviors that we can say, oh, I see this in my life and so I know that maybe this is the role I'm in right now or the role I most commonly put myself in.
2: Hmm. I think one way to help identify what role you're putting yourself in is, is to write out the story of your day. So if you for one day wrote out your story, And, and truly pull it up in a Google doc, like write it out, like make it happen. I do this with my kids. I actually have them write out the story that they're writing in their head and then go back through that story and see where did you tend to put, what role did you put yourself in and what, what role did you put others in? Because again, like Bobby was saying, if you put yourself in a hero role, a lot of times you just put somebody else in a victim role. So if you're not seeing it in yourself it, you might see it in the way you're viewing other people, which then will elevate what you're doing in yourself and really looking at the motivations that you have behind something. So again, the, um, you know, the the role of a cheerleader, that can sound really good. You're an encourager. That's so great. But what's the heart behind being a cheerleader? Why am I cheering you on? Am I cheering you on because I really want to see you elevated or is there some weird piece in myself that gets fed off of that. A cheerleader requires someone who is weak to cheer on. So am I looking at you as, again, in your role as a, as a child of God, or am I looking at you as less than? If I'm a savior and, and I'm trying to save you, one, one thing I do commonly is I think I'm saving people from work, right? So I'll be like, oh, I'll just hold on to that. But in reality, a savior requires a victim. It requires someone to save. So then I've just said, this person can't do this Absolutely. without my help. And I've just put them in a role.
1: Yeah, and that's that's tricky, right? Is to be like, well, am I being a hero to this person or am I putting myself in a role to you know, lift this person up because I really want to encourage them or because I really want to be the hero in my own story? And so even though it sounds like, oh, I want to do this for good is actually sort of a selfish act of I want to still be central. And so I'm going to put you below me so that I can feel good about myself. And that's actually sort of whether it's intentional or unintentional, it actually becomes a really destructive act. And so I think it's um, it's sort of tricky, right? Because this hero role sounds good, like being the hero. But in actuality, in this system of relationships, it's sort of it's not the best spot to be in because we can vilify people or victimize people and that ends up actually hurting them and ourselves honestly
2: well and what story would they tell about you um what's it like to be on the other side of me is a really good question to ask yourself all the time in all circumstances whether you're leading or parenting or you know or a student or whatever what's it like to be on the other side of me so what story is that person telling i'm telling the story that i'm saving them they're gonna they might tell the story that you're oppressing them That you're being a villain, that you're that you are hurting them in some way, and so to to really think, what would their story be about me? What's it like to be on the other side of me?
0: Yeah, one of the things that you're you're really describing is a is a really important thing in in psychology. We talk about externalizing, like we're trying to see the whole story. What we need to do is kind of take a step back and and see it. And I I think there's ways that we see it in other in the people around us like if we see somebody getting mad at us um, a lot of times that's the reaction to something we are we're forcing them into the villain role or if we see somebody get really downtrodden or withdrawn then sometimes uh we see that we're we're forcing them into the victim role or or something like that um are there are there ways that you've seen that are really helpful you mentioned like writing it down actually writing it down the things that you've seen or done to help you externalize? Like, what are some other ways that you can kind of take a step back and see this story in your life? Like, what What are some of the practices that you found helpful?
2: Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, the, the biggest one and one that we use a lot in our household is you write it out and then you highlight all the places where you assigned someone a different role and then you rewrite the story. What would this day have looked like if I had given, given everyone, treated everyone, including myself, with the role of chosen and adopted child of the Most High King? What would it have looked like? How would this day have looked different? And we literally will edit the story. We'll take write it right all out, and we will edit the entire story to say, what would this day have looked like if, if we would have assigned people the correct role, which is child of God? And what will tomorrow look like if we're going to do, you know, if we were to do the same thing, and and being aware of those moments, I think another strategy is to tell people some of those ego-centric things you fall into. So I tend to tell people, I I tell my my staff people who work with me and and who I lead, I tell them, hey, sometimes I can tend to savior. I can tend to take things on that aren't mine. And I think to be safe and vulnerable and be able to say to people, this is sometimes where I see I might not be taking on these the right role and I might not assign you the right role and you can call me out on that and that's okay. Uh, I think that's a, a really good strategy as well. I think, Noah, you touched on something really good too. Those adjectives that you use, look at what adjectives you've used. By the end of a day, the really extreme ones are generally (laughs) assigning roles to people. Um, Generally, those really extreme words that you use, those really extreme adjectives that you've assigned to people or situations, um, you are inserting yourself in a role or putting someone else in a role that's not theirs or not yours. Um, So, yeah.
1: Well, as you're listening to our conversation with Courtney, it's obvious that helping people navigate their own stories can be difficult and helping people walk into life with solid patterns of relationship can be complicated. And that's
0: why we created Regroup. Regroup is a program that equips ministry leaders who wanna help hurting students heal and grow. Uh, When I was a pastor, I know we struggled to find a common language that would help students through difficult moments and relationships. And the curriculum equips you with everything you need to do that well. Yeah, the program equips students
1: with tools and language that helps them develop a way of processing pain and forming their identity by combining psychological methods, tools of confession, and the forgiveness made possible by Jesus.
0: So if you're a leader who wants to help hurting students in your ministry, but maybe uh, you don't feel prepared or you're anxious about saying the right thing, or you just need some sort of clear direction, we think regroup can help. You can buy the program or you can learn more by visiting rallypointmin.com slash regroup.
1: Um, You know, I'm training to be a therapist right now. And I remember a question I was asked in an interview was, you know, what do you think doing therapy is? And I had to think about it. And she said, uh, I gave my answer, but then she she said, because you know, some people think therapy is um, coming in and saving people and fixing all their problems for them, and they want to become therapists or counselors or pastors because what they want to do is be the answer to everything, and they want to put themselves in that position. And that sounds a lot like what you're saying. Is sometimes we so desperately want to help people um which is you know the good intentions that we end up putting ourselves in that position and actually that that doesn't do a lot of um a lot of good and sometimes that can actually do uh some damage so yeah that's a really valuable thing to just be cognizant of
0: that's a really good example noah that I f- for sure resonate with I, I was thinking of one other thing that people might relate to is, is as a parent um you know we've we fostered um uh, a teen a teenager a couple of Years ago, and I remember sliding into the victim role as a parent. Um, and it would be interesting because I would do that switching. Um, so when uh, when when they came into our house, they were the victim, right? And and so we were the hero, and everybody in our lives treated us like the heroes, and it was so wonderful feeling. Uh, but then, you know, a, a kid with a bunch of trauma um, is not always kind. Um, they didn't feel like we were the heroes, that we were part of the system, part of the problem. And so they said some things that were really hurtful. and then we wanted to become, you know, I, I felt myself switching into the victim role, right? And and I was hurt and um, and I wanted to lash out and and take some control back. So I wanted to even become the villain uh, because I was being accused of being the villain anyway. That sort of thing. So it was interesting because I think I played all three roles at once. And I emerged from it when I realized all those things and remembered, um, like like you're saying, Courtney, like, I know who I am. Um, I'm a, a child of God. I'm, I'm adopted. I'm an image bearer. I'm beautifully and wonderfully made. Um, I'm a sinner that has been um, uh, redeemed. And so, um, like, I, I make mistakes. I, I'm finite. I'm limited. But um, I have value and... What you're saying doesn't take that value away from me. And so I'm going to stand on what I know. I'm going to stand on the agreements that we made when you you came to live here. And you are going to have to figure out how to respond to that, to that like stronger, firmer, more confident stance. And um, there's been times where they have come and come and gone from that and, and and sometimes like it sometimes hate it but for me it's it's made it a lot easier as a parent to stand on something rather than respond to something hmm. yeah so I'm um
1: interested to, to just hear um are there healthy versions of these roles that we can take you know so the hero wants to save people and makes it about themselves but is there a way that we can say hey I'm that healthy cheerleader who really is looking to encourage people or we can say I usually find myself in the victim role but there's a way that I can support people when they're doing a good job that doesn't victimize me encourages them is there sort of um I guess another side to the coin of these roles that is a healthy cycle of relationships
2: yeah I again I think that all of these I- Villains a little harder to define, but there are villains can be people who, you know, push us, uh, who push the envelope, who who bring things into new light and into into new places. So I do think in all of these, there are uh, a good side. There's there's a healthy side to it. It's again, where's your heart and where's your motivation in it? So being a hero, where am I pointing people to? the The ultimate hero. Where am I pointing people to God and helping them to get there, and being someone who just with a pure heart in that is really just cheering people on, helping them to see their their full potential, and really helping them see God's full potential, right? Like, what's that? What does that look like to really um, take on that that role of helping people to see who God is and and as a victim, you were talking about just the humility that can be involved in that to, to really um, find humility and and be able to consider others better than yourselves in a healthy way, not in a in a victimizing way. Um, or how am I in that villain role, instead of seeing it as a villain, how do you see it as someone who pushes and 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 challenges and gives people, uh, something new to look forward to, not in a villainous way, but in a uh, how can I make you see things that you haven't seen before? Sometimes that villain role is is a way to, to help people see another side of the coin or um, to push them forward and into new things. So I think each one of them, when framed correctly and not really kept with those same i f- i feel like those titles are pretty telling too right when you say hero victim villain you you have, you have uh you have just put people um in some kind of crazy hmm. places so Absolutely. i think that you know it's it's flipping that around
1: well and uh i'll show i'll show my hand a little bit you're right those terms are a little bit uh are a little bit you know spe- specific and so i've actually heard the the healthy side of the coin called uh the creator, the challenger, and the coach, which all have yep. you know, a lot better connotations mm-hmm. than hero, victim, yes. villain, because in that system it's well, one person's a hero, the other two, I don't know, I don't really know about that. But when you shift it, yeah. you're like, oh no, there's a value to each of these roles when they're used correctly and when you're oriented correctly towards the lord and, and other people yeah so anyways just throwing
2: mm-hmm. that in there
0: so no what what do those mean give us a little yeah. overview when you you can't just throw three <laughs> new terms at us that's that true. when we've spent the last 30 minutes talking about something else that's help us, true. That's help us true. understand what you mean when you say creator challenger and coach
1: yeah i think each of these things kind of speaks to the flip side of the coin that courtney was talking about and she really just mentioned it but you know the hero flips and becomes the coach somebody who um, uses that position not to push others down to feel like they're special but to actually encourage them and help strengthen them and raise them up and you have the challenger who's the flip side of the villain who instead of um, going against somebody really tries to um, help them make progress you know uh the the spiritual gift of exhortation speaking into somebody's lives so that they can grow and and continue to mature And then uh, instead of the victim, you have the flip side of the creator. So the the victim stands back and sort of lets people um, do things for them or talks about themselves and say, oh, I don't know what I can do. Whereas the healthy version of that would be the creator saying, oh, I can stand back and look at the world and see, you know, some of the beauty and bring something out of that that can encourage and and strengthen and empower others. And so I wanted to say, you know, it's not always just hero, victim, villain. You can... um, you know, label it differently uh to like we said, tell a new story and put yourself in a new mm-hmm. place in that story.
2: I love I love Noah's terms. I think that that really is a helpful thing um to think to think through and and to live those things and those moments out. And then how do you flip that around? And and so yeah, it's really being able to see that that bigger story uh in a in a daily way and be able to stop and look and eyes up and eyes back and, you know, how am I being with and for the people around me? Um, not putting myself in a savior role, but knowing that I reflect who God is. I'm a reflection um, of God. I live out my identity in Christ. And how do I help then other people to do that same thing? Yeah.
0: So there might be one more question that I have for sure lingering in my brain as we're as we're talking about the big God story, as we're talking about this other story, I think a lot of people, especially in our culture right now, we are taught, we are coached like to create our own story. Like you are the hero of your own story. Uh, Marketing um, is directed at you as the hero. Um, You are like special and in America, you you can be whoever you wanna be. And there's like all of these different kinds of narratives, right? What would you say to somebody who says like, I I want to write my own narrative or why should we subscribe to, to God's story? Like what, what, what would you say to to them or to that kind of pushback?
2: I would say that will not go well for you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Preach. (laughs) Right. Like we know the ultimate story. We know who the victor is in the story why would we want to write our own? So, I mean, as a as a believer, I can look at you and say that, right? I can say as a believer, well, well, I, I know how this ends. Why would I not hand that pen right over to God? Oh, I see all those places where somebody else took the pen and tried to write the story and it did not go well for them. If you're talking to someone in general, because I think we also have to, in some of your question addresses, like, just American society in general, right? Like, how do, I, how do I convince someone, like, don't try to write your own story, warning, warning. Uh, and I think there's this piece of there is freedom in letting go of that pen and leaning into it. It's hard work to write your own story. It's hard work to write a book. It's hard work to put yourself in those roles. And there is freedom in being able to relax into it and say, I know who's in control of this. I know that I'm a chosen child of the most high king. I am all of those things. God is the author and perfecter of my faith. He's the lifter of my head. And I can rest into that. And that's not passive. I'm not saying like you take on this, like. You just sit there and wait
1: for like. You're not just going
2: to sit there. Exactly. For like a, a message
1: in a bottle to float up on shore. Yeah.
2: Yes, but there is a a life beyond. And and we know that in the gospel and we see that in the big God story. And so I think that's where the gospel, that's where the the big God story is is just beautiful and attractive to people. Yeah. Um
0: Yeah. I I yeah. think uh I especially find um in counseling sessions that when we subscribe to the big God story, we have an identity. So like a lot of people say, you know, Christianity is for the weak, it's a crutch or something like that. And my response is often, I, I think people who have uh, God in their lives and subscribe to this story, they have a place to begin. Um, it's not necessarily a, a crutch. It's actually like gives them strength of character. They know who they are and everybody else has to has to make up who they are. So so when you do something like like practice forgiveness, well, without an identity, forgiveness doesn't make any sense. It doesn't work. And so you you should hold on to your bitterness um because there's no there's no there's no place to stand. There's no reason to do it. There's no um and there's no freedom in it if you're trying to just get over it or whatever. Uh, other people will say forgiveness is, but if we know, you know, who we are, we know that we're a child of uh children of god that we know um that we are forgiven there is a place to stand and so you you do that that let that letting go that that choice to take on the consequences of somebody else's actions without expecting their repayment because that's what jesus did for you and that's who you become like you have an identity and a and a starting point and an anchor point um and so i think that might be the most important part of The narrative for me is I can make up all sorts of stories about myself, but every one of them, it has no anchor. It has no beginning. It has no foundation. So it's just a story. Whereas the big God story as the starting point and ending point that is sure and secure, um, I can build everything else about my story in that space and know that it makes sense and know that it works. And I know that I know where it's headed and I have hope, and I have purpose in my own story. I was going to
1: say, I think it's cool that, you know, Bobby, you mentioned purpose, and it's when we recognize that we're a part of a story that's being written, um, and we know the beginning and the end, and we're sort of in the, the middle, we're in the progress of that story, that means that, you know, what we do in our stories does matter. You know, it's not just, I heard this story that's far away and impersonal, and now I have my own, but it's, hey, I actually get to Participate in this. I get to be a part of this. And how exciting is that? That the story God is writing, I get to actively participate in. Like you said, Courtney, it's not just a passive thing. God is still working. He's still moving. He's still, um, you know, writing that story. And we get to have purpose in participating in that and being agents in that story. And that is just, a, a re- I mean, that assigns a lot of value. Um, to you, to your story, and like Bobby and you were talking about, to your identity as an agent Mm -hmm. of God's story.
2: Yeah. And when you start with the big God story, we talk about teaching kids specifically in in the role that I'm in. And you start with God's big story, the big God story, that informs our theology. Our theology informs our identity. Our identity informs our belief, and our beliefs will drive our behaviors. And so if you know your place in the big God story, you know, who God is, which informs who I am because I'm made in his image, which informs the beliefs that I carry, which are so important right now, right? Like all of our strong beliefs, which will then drive my behaviors. So if I can keep that in the right order in the context of the Big God Story, then I have just rightly ordered my beliefs and my behaviors and how I live those out in the world.
1: Absolutely. Well, Courtney, I don't think we can end on anything better than that. So We really appreciate you coming on, sharing your wisdom once again. It's great to have you back and we're just so thankful for everything that you can provide. So thank you so much.
2: Yeah, thanks guys.
1: One thing I really respect about Courtney is just the fact that she is always turning our eyes back to Jesus and saying, here's who we need to look at if we want to get an accurate picture of reality. And in this conversation, that's one of the most important things we can do because this is all about narratives. And when we look away from the story God is writing, it's very easy to try to do our own thing, to define good and evil for ourselves, to make our own um, story, to try to be the central character. But when we turn our eyes to him and orient ourselves around him, we see the story he's writing, and it's a really um, valuable and dignifying thing. And I just love how she always turns our eyes back to Christ. That is such a valuable thing.
0: Yeah. And I, I really appreciate how she takes something that can be really complex or confusing or vague mm. uh, and made it really concrete. Um, some of the simple things of, like, just write it down.
2: Uh,
0: yeah. You know, just talk with somebody about it. Uh, you know, just, you know, identify your, your – uh, your theology, your your beliefs, mm. and how they affect your behavior. Like you could literally just take any of those things, uh, write them down and, and, and gain a significant understanding of yourself and kind of set that problem outside of yourself so you can really tweak it and work on it. Um, yeah, She took some really complex things and made them yeah. simple and approachable. Yeah,
1: and I absolutely loved, like you said, um to make this concept approachable talking about those three terms hero victim villain and talking about it in terms of that mad lib right when we write the story and that was just great well one of the things Mm -hmm. courtney talked about today is letting the story of scripture be a foundation that drives our theology and we have a resource that will help you recognize some of those false narratives that can sneak into your life and it's a guide that will help you identify these narratives in your life and the lives of people in your ministry.
0: To get that guide, you can go over to rallypointmincom podcast and subscribe with your email. You'll get a link there where you can download this resource and get others that we've created just for you. And if you like what you heard today, please rate or review this
1: podcast. By doing that, you can empower other leaders with tools that can help them support
0: others. And also, we wanna hear from you. So we'd love to know how this episode has helped you or what challenges you're facing in your ministry that we could cover next. Uh, In order to contact us, we'd love to hear from you at our email, which is hello at rallypointmen.com. Thank you so much for listening today.